Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. And if you don't know, Michael Corral's my guest, that I don't know what rock you've been hiding under. He's been in the business a long, long time, and he's been doing a lot of awesome things. I've interviewed him before. He was actually the third podcast that I did back in 2011, and uh, I'm glad to have Michael back on the show. First, let me tell you guys, if you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, you can listen to all of our previous episodes. You can look at the show notes. Sometimes I have transcriptions of the podcasts. Why I don't on every one, I don't know. I need to figure that out. But a lot of times I have transcriptions you can listen to. And um, also we have the free Wholesaling 101 class that you can get at realestateinvestingmastery.com. If you text the word FLIP to 313131, you can get it. Again, text the word FLIP to 313131. Or just go to realestateinvestingmastery.com and you'll see a link there on the page. And there's some other free things, free goodies that you can get there as well. So I want to get right into this because Michael is a friend of mine I've known for a while. We spent a lot of time on the phone. He's from Bakersfield, California, and uh, he's he's been an investor for a long, long time. He has seen a lot of ups and downs, a lot of market cycles. I want to talk to him about that. And he also has a great company, yellowletters.com. And that's where most people know him from, but he has other businesses as well. Michael, I remember before you even had that domain, you were yellowlettermail.com, weren't you? We were. And um, we were fortunate enough to negotiate for the ownership of Yellow Letters. And um, it's worked out really, really, really well. Yes. You know, the, the domain space, most people don't understand it to be a real estate play, but uh -huh. it's absolutely a real estate opportunity. So. Yeah. That is really, I think the most I've ever paid for a domain was 500 bucks. Um, yeah. How much, well, I don't know if you can tell us, but was it more than 500 bucks? It was considerably more. And in fact, right now I'm, I'm contemplating buying one for 1.2 million. Holy smokes. So. Wow. It is an expensive space. If, you know, let's, let's face it. It's all about location, right? Yeah. And in the URL space, short word domains are very valuable because they're yep. easy to remember. They're top of mind. People can familiarize them with the product that you sell if they if they match that. Like Kleenex and tissue, you know, Kleenex.com, people would go there to search for tissue. And um, so it just works. And good domains are, are great. Bad domains are, are worse. And yep. uh, we, we get hung up sometimes on what the right domain is, but um, they absolutely pay off if they're the right ones. There's a, I've heard this story. It's pretty incredible about the guy who owned flowers.com. Do you remember hearing about that? I have not heard that story, but it, but I, I cringe because in 1993 or 94, well, sometime around that period in, in my life. Now, some of you guys and gals probably weren't even born in that by then. <laughs> so I'm, I'm dating myself, but I remember I went over a friend's house and he wanted to show me email. And, um, we had, that's when AOL was just becoming what they were in AOL for those of you that oh, don't, yeah. it's pre Facebook. And he wanted to show me email. And so he sent his friend an email and he called his friend on the telephone and he says, Hey, I sent you an email, send it back to me. And I'm thinking, well, that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, well, I just talk to him on the phone. Had I been smart on that day, and opportunities arise every day of our life. We just haven't, we just don't know to see them. But had I been smart, I would have gobbled up all of the one word domains I could and um, done that. Oh man. Apple.com. Well, just the one that I'm, I'm contemplating buying for 1.2 uh, was, uh, you know, it started out at, you know, $10 a month or $10 a year, just like everybody else's. Yeah. And, and now um, there it sits. Even when I bought my phone number, 1-800-SELL-FOR-CASH, that was extremely expensive. So just having good vanity numbers, having good URLs, it's part of marketing and marketing is what drives our business to yeah. a success point that we can rely upon it. And without it, we're dead. 
Well, I've always said marketing is everything and everything is marketing. You know, most people don't realize the only time that they market is when they hang the I'm going out of business sign. And, uh, you know, when you throw a box of uh, unused business cards in the trash, shame on you. Yeah. Because I know every time. In fact, I'll give anybody that wants 500 business cards, 500 business cards. You just call me up and say, Mike, I need some business cards. I'll send you 500 of them. I know at the end of that 500 box of business cards, if you did it on purpose, you'd buy a house. Now, all I'm going to ask you to do is when you buy that house, just send me a check. Just send me a check to help you for marketing. And I'm fine with that. Man, that it, and I know where you're going with this too, because it really comes down to marketing and networking and just getting the word out there and telling people who you are and what you do. You know, I was, I was at a, I was speaking at a, 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 a spot in LA not too long ago on the, on the very subject of marketing to our center of influence. Mm-hmm. And, and so I asked the room, everybody stand up and, you know, if you have a hundred people on your cell phone, sit down. If you have 200 on your cell phone, sit down. If you have 300 on your cell phone, sit down. There were people standing up close to 10,000 contacts on their cell phone. Wow. Then I asked everybody the question. So how many times have you contacted those people this last year? Just saying, Hey, after a lot of thought and careful consideration, I've become a real estate investor and I knew that you'd want to help me. I'm reaching out to you to let you know these are the types of folks that I happen to help and why I help them and how my helping them benefits them. If you happen to know anybody that's looking to buy or sell a piece of property, keep me in mind. How many people do that on purpose? And I know from just owning calltext.com, which is a telephone, texting, email, CRM, web forms, conferences, video rooms, all that, that I know if you took those 10,000 people, put them in that program – and launched a campaign that you don't even have to do. They're your friends in the first place, or they wouldn't be in your cell phone. Launched a, a, a campaign that said, every day I'm going to divide those 10,000 or 500 or whatever you have in your cell phone up, and I'm going to send a portion of those people a message every day, every month, oh. for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And all the message has to say is, hey, this is Michael Quarles. Just wanted to remind you that I'm a real estate investor. If you happen to know somebody that's looking to sell or buy, Please keep me in mind. They can contact me at this phone number and they already like you. They already know you. So they're not going to be offended that you did this and it's automatic. You don't have to do it. You physically don't have to do it, but we just have to take the one step and that is download that information. It's pretty simple to do on Android and iPhone. So there's really no excuse for anybody not to be successful. And I know a text costs like two cents. So you can text a hundred people for two bucks. You can text a thousand people for 20 bucks. That's lunch. Think about sending, for the price of your lunch, sending 2,000 people that know you to be your bird dogs, your eyes and ears, a message that look out for houses for me. Because I know six degrees of separation says, if you tell six people to tell six people to tell six people, your message will get to everybody in the world. We just have to do it on purpose. (laughs) That's amazing. It's mind-boggling too, isn't it? It absolutely is. That that website you talked about was calltext.com, right? Correct. Yep. calltext.com. We're going to de- definitely talk about that. It reminds well, me of a story that I've you're heard. using you're on your 313331 31 number. Yeah. Flip. You're using another texting service which works great. That's a short code. Yep. And short codes are powerful because unlike a 7-digit number or a 10-digit number, short codes are easy for people to remember. So, as an example, I use my short code's 818181. So, if someone said, you know, how does it work? Well, if they text house to 818181, they're going to get a text that has a web form attached. So if a seller texts me, I'm going to send them a text out that has a web form attached so they can fill it out on their mobile-friendly phone kind of thing. It doesn't have anything else. They fill that form out. They get another text that sends them to some commercials about our program. Then they start getting email follow-ups and text follow-ups. So our prospects can be prospected back to communicated with seamlessly without us ever touching them. And that's the world we're living in today. Yeah. Well, the follow-up is so important. And it's also, you, there's some things you can't automate either, right? No, you, you can, you can systemize everything, but you can't automate everything. Hmm. What I, I tell the story often related to what you were saying. There's a guy around here who is one of those guys that um, comes out of his cave every whenever he's broke to start doing some deals and uh, he'll do a bunch of deals, make some money and then just go hide, go in hiding. Cause he's a very uh, big introvert. But uh, what he does is he's got a Rolodex of a couple hundred 
people in this market in St. Louis area who do deals. And that could be property managers, realtors, investors, wholesalers, I don't know. And uh, every couple, three, four, five months, he'll come out when he needs some money and he'll just go through that Rolodex and call everybody one at a time and ask them two questions. Number one, I'm looking for some deals to buy. Do you have anything? And number two, do you have anything to sell? Or are you looking to buy anything? I'm sorry. So number one, do you have anything to sell? And number two, are you looking to buy anything? And eventually, by the time he gets to that list, he's going to find somebody that has a house to sell and somebody has a house they want to buy. Yep, absolutely. You know, I always think that that when we receive a phone call from an absentee owner, because a lot of us market to other investors who have properties who possibly may have an interest in selling those properties. And I always tell my students that that prospect, that absentee owner is one of three people. They're either a seller, they're either a buyer of another piece of property, or they're possibly a JV or a lender. So when you speak to that absentee owner, don't only speak to them yeah. as a seller. Speak to them as a buyer and a JV or a, a money partner in a transaction you can't fulfill. Because let's face it, 100% of zero is less than 50% of $100,000. Huh. And if I have to bring a JV guy in because mm-hmm. they have money, I don't. I'm going to make more money than if I could do it by myself because I can't do it by myself. Excellent. Oh, I partner with wholesalers all the time on deals. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, one of the things that wholesalers may not yet understand is how to actually take the deal from contract to close. Maybe they don't have the resource, and that resource is either time and or money or just knowledge, basic knowledge. And there's a little bit of a fear to take that thing all the way through the first few times. You have something like you, someone like you in your cor- their corner who will go, I'll do the deal with you, and we're going to have a split at the very end. I think that's a benefit for everybody, personally, because we can create more wealth with a bunch of people to working together than we can create by ourselves. And if your ego is so strong that you just don't want to work with anybody, then you will just won't be as wealthy as everybody else will be. So oh, having is a great thing. You're so right on, especially, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to start traveling. They want to start doing deals from around the world. And yeah, you could build a team and do deals virtually where you have somebody that talks to sellers, you have somebody that talks to buyers, and you put them together. You could certainly do that. When I found when I was traveling a lot, Michael, is I didn't want to have a team except maybe my virtual assistant and a local assistant. And I started partnering with local wholesalers, guys that I trusted. I would do the marketing. I would have my team pre-screen the leads, give them to the local wholesaler, and they would take all of the work and the hassle I looked at it as a hassle. I looked at it as like, I don't want to do that stuff. Of talking to sellers, going to the house, building rapport, getting the pictures, advertising the property, dealing with the buyers, dealing with the title company, dealing with the double close or assignment. Maybe you got to get the money to close the deal. Maybe not the whole anti-flipping FHA rules or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I just started partnering with local wholesalers and it was wonderful. I'm I'm splitting the pie, right? But it's a bigger pie. Because right. these wholesalers can get it for cheaper than I could over the phone, and they can sell it for more than I could because they have better buyers. So I'm splitting the pies, but it's, it's a bigger pie, and there's more of them because I can focus on what I love doing, and that's marketing. And they can focus on what they love doing, which is talking to sellers and chasing the deal and and getting deals under contract. Right? They right. those a lot of those wholesalers they don't want to deal with pre-screening a hundred leads. You know, they don't want to deal with trying to follow up and remember all of this admin stuff with sending out the marketing and handling the incoming leads or whatnot. So if you, if anybody listening to this is in that boat, you're like, man, you know what? I've got the money to spend on marketing, but I don't have the time to handle the leads. Maybe find somebody that has the time to handle the leads that you can give them. There's a component there that's extremely important. You can handle, you can handle the marketing extremely well. And you can hire, or maybe that's a lack, that's not the great word, but you can go into an agreement with someone who can do the work that you don't want to do, but you still know how to do the work. Mm-hmm. So just because you have the money for marketing doesn't mean you can fulfill the, the latter stage, which is to lead fulfillment. However, in a, in a, as, as a person like yourself, you have the ability to know if someone on the other side at the end of the, at the game is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Then you have a, a win-win. I would fear for someone that's never bought a house to be the money guy because 
Yeah. They may not know if the guy on the other side or the gal on the other side is actually doing the job they're supposed to be doing. That's and, good. For sure. Um, but anyway, well, it's nice to talk to you again. Here we just jumped off all of a sudden and <laughs> didn't even say hello. No. Well, Michael, from, from Bakersfield, California, why on earth do you still live in Bakersfield? It's an easy answer, and it's the it's the only one that uh, justifies the reason. <laughs> okay. I, I love I love my son, yeah. and he loves his wife. Okay, who loves her parents. Okay, and <laughs> it wouldn't be appropriate to take my son and his wife away from her parents. Yeah, and I wouldn't move away from my son. Yep, if that makes any sense. One hundred percent, and I'm sorry for bashing Bakersfield. Well, no, um, I bash it all the time. It's like, it's like, it's you know where you there there are names and words <laughs> I use, but not on a podcast for descriptive word for Bakersfield. However, it's not bad. I you know in California, my the house that I live in would be a mansion in most large cities. Yeah. It's it's just a, a, a nice house in you know my city. It's it's okay. Um, yes, I live behind a gate in the community, and I park my Rolls Royce in my driveway. And anywhere else, I'd it'd be millions of dollars. I'm yeah. okay with it. I don't have any water in my city, and and we have man-made lakes that you wouldn't want to put your foot in. So we don't have some of the luxuries of other parts of California, or some parts of the world have. Uh, but I'm okay with it. My I love my job. Most people don't love their job. They want to get rid of it. I don't. I want more job hmm. in my life. And so when I go to work, I go on vacation. So my vacation would look the same way no matter where I went or my job. So if I if I move to some great island someplace, I'm still going to have an office that I'm I'm going to be working out of. And so I just like it. I love it. I love the the whole concept of being an entrepreneur and working on our business and growing. And I have a, a, a long-term goal and um, I'm going to achieve and I yeah. just strive to do it. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that very much. Sometimes if you can't be with the one you love, you got to love the one you're with, right? <laughs> I think I, 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 I've been blessed. I do not know wh- why God made me turn the, rec- the direction he did when I met my wife because it was, it was chance at best. Mm-hmm. In fact, it shouldn't have been chance. Just to, to, to recap, it's going to be a really quick story, I promise. I was on a first date with another female. Uh-huh. And it wasn't going well, and we both knew, both knew it. I mean, we just – we were attracted to each other, but it was skin deep. Awkward. And, and so we – you know, it was 8.30 or so. We said, hey, this is not working for either one of us. We're grown adults. We're not going to criticize the other person. We said thank you. We said goodbye. I was still – you know, it was still 8.30, so I, I ran around the corner to my favorite restaurant. I, I drove over there. I walked through the door, and there my, my wife was. And there is no reason, no logical reason for me to have done that except for I was supposed to meet the person I'm going to die with. Wow. That's cool. That's romantic. Yeah. That's absolutely – it, um, <laughs> it is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. I mean, we can say making money is great. Having kids are great. Finding the person who loves you irrespective of who you are and what you what you do and what you've done and where you're going to go and, and how much money you have or how little money you have. Just finding that person that can answer the question every day uh, of the, you know, the why question. Why are we here? I'm here to love my wife and she's here to love me. That's and cool. It's a cool world. I should clarify when I say if you can't be with the one you love, they'll love the one you're with. I'm talking about where you live. I'm not talking about <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about relationships with your spouse. So no, I just gotta a- be clear about that. Because I used to I used to live in Bakersfield and shortly after that, Michael, I went to um live in San Francisco and uh with my wife and we would go to Lake Tahoe all the time. This yes. is when I was working for a company. And um I loved, loved, loved Lake Tahoe, <clears throat> and I almost got a job with a company that was going to build a huge uh, hotel there, a condominium complex. And um, it came to a point where I had to make a decision. Was I going to live in Lake Tahoe and work for this company that would probably move me to another place in a couple years, or should I, would I go to St. Louis? 
And so I was deciding at the time I probably should go to St. Louis. And um, <laughs> that's why I was thinking of that. But anyway, Michael, you made an interesting comment. You said you were on vacation when you're at your J-O-B, your job. Right. You didn't call it J-O-B, you called it job. But like, what is your job? What What do you consider that to be? I say, I think that I, I know I'm a, a pure entrepreneur and the, the goal of an entrepreneur is to make sure that the businesses that they, they own or are part of that they can function. They have the liquid asset to function. So that's my job. My job is to, to be the thinker of the business. So I'm not working in it. I'm working on it on a daily basis. And, and I'll back up a little bit. I don't think of actions for today. I think of actions for months in advance. So I, I plan, I have a strategy of where I'm going. A manager manages today. Technicians do the tasks of today. And so I'm, my job is to, to map out, work on where this, these businesses are headed. And um, when you do that, when you get out of your own way and you, you stop being a manager and a technician, you have that exponential growth. Just like we were talking about earlier, in, in, a, in a sense, when we, when we talk about partnering with wholesalers, and when we do that, everybody earns more money. Well, as an entrepreneur, when you get out of your own way and you allow people to do what they're paid to do, you start making more money. Because I can remember the day I fired myself from my management role. It, it scared the crap out of me because, I mean, no one could do it like I can do it, right? Right. And I realized real fast, well, okay, so maybe they're only as good as I was 60% of the time. Well, great. When I hire two of them, now I get more production. When I hire three of them, I get a lot more production. When I hire, hire 10 of them, production's really cool. When I have 25 of me, then man, I can conquer a lot because I know 25 times 60% is a lot more than one times 100%. And we just have to realize that, which is why when we say look for your JV partners in the wholesaling business, yeah, that's the highest and best use of your time for yeah. everybody. Good. Let's talk about marketing. Okay. And I'm looking at your yellowletter.com website. And everybody needs to go there right now. Yellowletter.com or yellow letters. Ooh, it's not yellowletter.com. It's yellowletters.com. Oh, no, don't go there. <laughs> I don't know who John is, but. Um, well, here's, here's the reality. Um, and I'm a big enough, I'm a big boy. I mean, yeah. I have boy pants on. Um, when we look at marketing, I don't care where people go. I care about them going. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Because we have to be selfless. So, I mean, I, I want someone's success more than I want them to buy something from me. So if, if you find a product that, that I have someplace else and you just like it there, by all means, stay there and create your wealth. Here's what we don't want to do is we don't want to be a ping pong ball. We don't want to go to this provider because Joe said go there and then go to this one because Mike said go there and then go over here because someone else said go over there. Nothing's going to get accomplished. We're wasting all of our time looking. Just stop looking and go do. And um, so I, I'm okay with wherever people go for their success. I'm absolutely okay. Now, I know I have the best product. And I know that because my products posted on a lot of the other people's websites as their templates. I'm okay with it. Did I... Did I sue them? No. I have an abundance and prosperity mentality. If someone wants to compliment me by using my templates on their website, I'm fine. Because if it creates wealth for them, I'm okay with that. Because we can't do everything for everybody. And there's enough to go around. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I've used your service lots of times, Michael. It's wonderful. And You know, I, let, me, let me stop you from there. You used my service when it was not so great. Oh, and, <laughs> and no, well, you know, it's reality of life. I mean, it, it, it's better today than it was yesterday. And it's the day before yesterday. To, yesterday was better. And tomorrow is going to be better than today. And, and I'm not crazy enough not to know that. Um, you were very instrumental in helping me solve a problem. And you may not have known it, but you were. I, I appreciate how, for everybody that doesn't know Joe, this side of him, he is an extremely conscientiously kind However, noticing person. So he was able to help me <laughs> in a way that I needed help because that's what he's drawn to. And so I appreciate that. And um, we're doing some great things. We, we send out millions and millions of pieces of mail for folks. 
Well, but we're not the only one that does it. So, yeah, it's good. I, but I wanted to ask you, it's a hard business. It to, is. To, it's a very difficult business to be in because – just for a lot of reasons. And I don't, I don't want to turn this into a complaining about investors. <laughs> okay. But like some investors, uh, they're just so ridiculous and picky and overanalyze everything and, and make these little ridiculous changes and think that something is catastrophically wrong with the little minor stuff. You know, I don't know. I mean, can you talk a little bit about like, if investors want to do direct mail, okay, what's the kind of attitude or thinking do they need to have to do it successfully? That's, that's a great question, and it's going to be a hard answer to, for some to hear, and that's okay. The reality is I know the six pieces that work. Now, we sell like 560 pieces of mail, so different ones. I know the six that work. Do the other ones work? Sure. Do they work as well? No. Do these six really work? They work. So if if someone says to me, I want to do direct mail and I want it to be a blue postcard, and I'm going to say, that won't work. And they go, but I want to be blue. I like blue. Great. That won't work. If they, if they don't hear me, that's okay. I'm still going to sell them a blue postcard. If someone came to me and said, I want to be a successful real estate investor. I know you know what you're doing. I want to do what you would do. Do that for me. They're going to be highly successful because I'm going to share with them the very pieces that I use in my investment business and their phone's going to ring. Yeah. And it's okay that we have our own ideas. It's absolutely okay as long as we're willing to suffer the consequences of our own idea. And you know, I've used myself as a guinea pig. Guinea pig. I've been in this business for thirty some years, and I've done a lot of direct mail. And I can't tell you how many pieces of mail I've thrown in the trash because from the moment I decided to hit print on my printers, and the moment I decided to take it down to the, the post office, I learned something, hmm. and I chose to say, "Hey, it's not cost effective for me to mail this mail out because I've learned something." Well, if I've used myself to learn it. Wouldn't you as a consumer want to just not have to learn it? Just do it? Yeah. I'm thinking that's the reality of it. Now, now I may sound arrogant for saying that. However, it, it, it hurts me when someone calls me up and they say, I mailed out a thousand pieces of mail and asked them what it was and they describe it and then I look at it and it, it, it fills my, my soul. It hurts for them because I know that some of them, that's all they had to a budget for. Yeah. And doing it wrong is expensive. Because here's what happens when we do it wrong. The phone doesn't ring correctly. We don't have abundance. We lose focus. We lose emphasis. We have, get into a depressed mood because it, you know, we're, we are not going to be the successful person we wanted to be. And that hasn't, it's not that at all. You just, you just pick the wrong piece of mail. So let me help you pick the right piece of mail. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Long-winded answer for a little question. Well, it's, it's a lot to do with mentality and, and thinking about this. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and sometimes the direct mail worked fine, but the person that did the mail never answered the phone. Right. Let it go to voicemail. Took them two days to call them back. And, you know, then never follow up if they ever do talk to somebody. I always, I always warn people. When they're, when they're new in the investment world, that in today's market, a minimum of 1,000, if you don't do 1,000 pieces or 1,000 addresses, something's wrong. You should do something else, and I can show you how to do the else as well. Because direct mail isn't the only marketing play, play that's out there that you should be doing. It's just one of them. It's a good one, it's, it's, but it's not the only one. But if you're going to do direct mail, do at least 1,000. I like 2,000 pieces for a starter. Now, I know that my direct mail, I can put a letter in the mail for someone for 50 cents, a letter, not a postcard, a letter. So if I can put a, a letter in the mail for the price of the stamp, you ought to do that. Anytime you get over 5,000 pieces in the beginning, it's too much. But so what we don't want to do is we don't want to have the phone ring too little, but we don't want to have it ring too much because all that too much is costing you a lot of money. So send out a couple thousand pieces of mail. Let me help you pull a list. I know, I know the list and the criteria. We run a marketing algorithm on your market so we know exactly what zip codes to market to. And then 
mail that, start answering those phone calls, build your pipeline, buy a couple, two or three houses, get some support because in the beginning you don't know your closing companies, you don't know your agents, you don't know your contractors, you don't know any of these things, you don't know your buyers, none of this stuff, so you can't go full force, but once you learn it, then you can add to your mail and then add and then all of a sudden you're going to be doing 200,000 pieces of mail a month, not looking back, driving a Rolls Royce. But you have to start smart. And um, let me help them start smart. Yeah, good. Can we talk about that? Can we get into the details real quick, Mike? Like, sure. what are some of the best pieces of mail that you like to send right now? What are the top five or six that you were talking the, about before? The, the first one I'm always going to mail out right now is what we call a naked letter. And it's naked because it's not in an envelope. So it's, it's folded three times or two times, tri-folded, and then uh, tabbed. It is handwritten on a yellow piece of paper. Uh-huh. with lines and message. I want to buy your house today for cash. Call me at this phone number. Thank you. Your name, phone number again. Real simple, easy, fast message. Yeah. It has a really good response rate. When we took the envelope off of it, because you can buy it in an envelope, but when we took the off the envelope off of it, we found that the response is a little bit better of a prospect. And I like that prospect. I like the strength of the prospect. The second piece is a small text postcard. It's in three colors. So the the paper itself is either going to be yellow. However, two months a year, it's going to be pink. The two months are Mother's Day and Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah. Other than that, it's going to be yellow and pink. It's going to be three colors. It's all going to be text, not picture, not pictorial, not glossy, not UV coated. It's it's looks just like the USPS notice like you that you would get in your, your mailbox that you have a, a letter to go get at the post office. And it describes what we do in a way that uses trigger words, embedded commands, and closing techniques to tell our story. So where the first piece just basically says, I want to buy your house, give you my cash, this one tells a little bit deeper of a story, and it's talking to a different person. The third one is another yellow letter. This one goes into a window envelope. They, They hit the street at 50 cents a piece. And it's it's a le- it's a little bit longer of an uh, a letter because it's appropriate. It's a little bit more of a professional approach. I'm not going to call it a professional letter. It goes in a little bit more detail, a little bit like the postcard, but not that much detail. The fourth piece is a large postcard, still text. This one always stays yellow. It has a similar message to the second piece, different phone number. We're going to get some website on this one. We're going to get some texting information on this one. Definitely going to have phone number on it, and it's going to tell our story and why they should pick us. So we're going to, whenever we make a presentation to a prospect, either in marketing or personally, in our presentation we should be answering the objections during the presentation. So that's what we're we're accomplishing in this piece of mail, is we're telling them why to pick us, why do, why do business with us. Yeah. The fifth piece of mail is a professional leather logo on the envelope. It looks like something you'd get from your doctor, your attorney, your accountant, you know, someone that's that, that arena. Fifth, uh, the sixth one is a zip letter. It looks like a traffic ticket coming in the mail or a, a, a jury summons, something that the government would send you. Yeah. All six pieces are different. And the reason we do it is called cluster marketing because I want to talk to all of the audience inside of my prospect group where I know that. Let's let's say the the high end professional person like you'd probably like a typed letter more than you'd like a handwritten letter yep. because of your degree in engineering and you're just more analytical. You're wanting to understand. You want this professional appeal or approach. Well, someone else may like the fast postcard because they just like hunting through their mail really quick and and seeing the message. Someone else may like the the personalized. Oh, they wrote me something letter. Someone else may like the interactive tearing apart something to see what's inside puzzle letter, which is what the zip letter does. And I'm touching all of them. So the guy that likes red, the guy that likes yellow, the guy that likes blue, the guy that likes orange and green, I'm talking to them because if I knew you were a Harley guy, if I knew for uh, without a doubt you like Harley Davidson's, then in my marketing, when I marketed to you, irrespective of what I wanted to sell you, in our case, we're buying a house from them, but I would bring up or I would resemble or I would show a symbol of a Harley Davidson yeah. because if I could, I know that would catch your attention. It's your top of mind. Well, in our letters, we have to catch that same attention and I don't know you'd like Harley Davidson's. Yeah. So I, I have to use my mail piece to do that. Cool. Very cool. Um, let's talk about you. You're talking about marketing algorithms. Yes. Find the best zip codes. What is that? Well, about a dozen years ago, 
we developed uh, an algorithm where we look at um, how many cash buyers are in a zip code, how many, how much inventory single family is in that zip code, how many REOs are in that zip code, real estate offerings, how many pre foreclosures, either trustee sell or uh, list pendings or notice of default are in that zip code, what my count is on equity positions at 30% equity or greater, under median, how many days on market do I have? Of the houses that have an equity position, how many are in the bottom third of median, middle third of median, and top third of median? We run two algorithms. One's a shotgun approach where we just blast everything out and look at it very similarly. Second one is a very lasered approach where we give different weight to different items. As an example, short days on market may have a stronger weighing point to this algorithm than how many units are in the inventory um, base. So we lay those two algorithms on top of each other and then we find our candidates to start marketing to. So if I hit St. Louis as an example, I know there are a lot of zip codes and I probably couldn't market to, or most people couldn't market to all of a city. So I have to find out in that city where my marketing dollar is going to perform at the highest rate. And once I run that marketing algorithm, then it's going to say these zip codes. And then when we look at the geo part of that, that result, we want to make sure, like, as an example, say one, three, five, six are sister zip codes. But two, four, and seven are 50 miles apart from each other. Well, those three I wouldn't market to, even though they scored well. I would want to stay close to my center of influence because I know when I start buying a house in a zip code next to a zip code, I can probably still use the same service providers between those two zip codes, where if I have a zip code that's 100 miles from another zip code or uh, an hour travel time for some cities, then my service providers are going to be different. And that's just going to cost me twice as much in, in setting up my infrastructure in, uh, when I hit a marketplace. So those al marketing algorithms are, are, are cause a lot of great result. Prior to the marketing algorithm, sorry, I'm getting real analytical. No, this is now, good. I like it. You love it. But some people go, oh, really, you have to do all this stuff? But it's, it's, you only do it once every six months, so it's not that hard. It takes about eight hours to put this algorithm together. And we work with people to go through it and kind of stuff, so we, we show them how to do it. But prior to that, we run a, a, a market, we call it a market look. So we look at a market, the rent rolls. We look at the market's um, mortgage rate, interest rates. We look at the market's median houses. So if our rent roll median our interest rate and our median sales price are in line with each other, then we'll use that city to start running our marketing algorithm. If they're not in line, as an example, if I have, if I look at San Diego and I can buy a house in San Diego, the median price tag is 600,000. I can only rent that for $1,800 a month. And my mortgage rate is 4%. I'm not buying that house because I can't cross step. What I want to do when I look in a market is I want to be able to take a tenant and turn them into a buyer. And I can't do that in some markets. And so I'm going to do the market look first. If I have thumbs up on that, then I'm going to run my algorithm to find out what part of that market I really want to dominate and tells me where my buyers are, where my sellers are, and um, how fast I can return my spin. So that's really what's important is how many times I can return our cycle in a year. Yeah. And then I'll start marketing it. All right. So you get your target zip codes then. How do you, f how do you select a good list to mail to? It's, it's, it travels a little bit every once in a while, so it moves around a little bit. But right now, we're, I'm marketing to 30% equity great or greater, five-year ownership or longer. And that ownership isn't recorded ownership. It's sell date. Single families, although single families for me can go all the way up to a fourplex. I don't like the twos, threes, and fours, but in some markets, you'll have to put them there. What do you mean two, threes, or fours? Bedrooms? So I don't like, I know I don't like duplexes, triplexes, or fourplexes, uh, okay, okay. but I will market to them but I don't like them. So if I could hold them out, I would. Some markets does, don't allow me to. Um, but, and then ultimately I'm staying under median in the marketplace because I know the majority of the houses we're going to make the most amount of money on have deferred maintenance. They are lower income housing and your less than median prices are going to start showing those two things, those two factors. And that's where both owner ox and investor buyers play. So I'm not going to go out and buy a $700,000 house in a, in a $400,000 median market because I know my end buyer is absolutely going to be an owner rock. 
and I need a cash buyer because I'm going to sell my inventory to another investor or a cash owner who's going to be an owner rock. And the higher end houses don't afford me that. So I'm looking at under median. Now, when I look at that list, that's the general criteria. The first list I'm going to pull out of that one is every absentee out of state. So I'm going to run those numbers, then pull everybody that lives out of state, not out of area, just out of state. And if that serves my marketing budget, then those are the people I'm going to hit. If it doesn't, and I still have people left over, of the people left over, I'm going to go 50% absentee and 50% owner-occupied. The reason I do a mix, and it's um, there's good and bad about both of those types of prospects. The good about an absentee is they're seller financing anyway. So to convert that seller, that person who's taken a rent payment to pay their mortgage, I can convert them into taking a mortgage payment pretty easily where the owner, homeowner, I, it's going to be a little bit harder. The negative to the absentee is everybody markets to them. So I'm just standing in line waiting for my turn to give my presentation where the owner occupant, no one markets to it really, really. So it's pretty virgin territory. However, when you have an owner occupant who has a free and clear house, they're self-funding it already. So to convert those, although it's not as easy as the absentee, it's still ex expressly possible, especially on sub two. So because most owner occupants don't want their credit score to go down. And if you understand sub two investing, then it's an easy presentation to convert those to a sub two purchase. Oh, yeah. I hope we're talking about what your your audience wants to talk about, but we could, we could talk all day. In fact, you know what? You and I, although we live like thousands of miles apart, we need to like schedule a, a boot camp and go do a boot camp for folks that want to learn wholesaling and wholesaling and lease options, that kind of stuff, whatever they want to learn. That'll be cool. That'd be yep. That'll be cool. So I, I want to ask you more questions about the mailing lists because sometimes when I've tried to pull data before – if like for example, if there is no sale date in right. the in the property record, it doesn't show up. Like I can't certain list providers when you're looking for ad if you say show me all the properties that sold before ten years ago, ten years ago or longer, you have to right. pick a start date. Right. So the earliest so, start that you can pick is nineteen hundred. Okay, so you, you can I give you can I let you in on a secret? Yeah, yeah. You can't share this with anybody. Oh, I won't. It's just between you and me. Okay. So the list I, I spoke about earlier is what the majority of people can do. But if you're asking me the best list possible, can I tell you that one? Yes. Okay. So let's assume for a second you go to a list provider and you, you have the problem that you have. Where if you put a filter to it, it minimizes the results even though there are results there it's just that they, when they keyed in the filter, maybe they keyed it in wrong or didn't key it in at all. So here's what you do. You pull the list without the filters. Yeah. And then you pull the list with the filters. And the people that are left over have never been marketed to. Yeah. Well, that's that's huge. You have, to buy, you have to buy all the list. Yes. So if a city has like 60,000 people in it that you can, that, you know, fit and you, so you have to buy the 60 and then you suppress the second list, but it's the balance. It's the difference that you're really looking for. And those, those people are gold. Well, they are. And I've done that before and it was crazy. The amount of response that we got from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of those guys, you know, they, they bought their house so long ago, there's a ton of deferred maintenance. Right. We found when we were marketing to them that we realized pretty quickly it's going to be a long-term play because mm -hmm. these are sellers that they're not in a hurry to just move. I mean, they've lived there for 30 years and they're elderly, but, you know, sometimes when you talk to them, it's a long 30, 45-minute conversation because you're trying to build the rapport and they just want somebody to talk to. <laughs> and then you realize, well, you know, you know, we're not looking to sell right now, but uh, we would be interested in getting an offer and seeing what our house is worth or whatnot. So if you're targeting those, we used to call them um, blank sale dates. Like right. there's no sale dates in there. And uh, it, it's amazing to me because this is the truth. This is according to the U.S. Census. One third of all homeowners in the United States do not have a mortgage on their house. Yeah. One third. 
So there's, there's a lot of people that when you pull lists, they will not show up because they may not have a sale date. They may not have, um, like if you say, sometimes if you do 30% equity or more, these homes will still not show up because there is no mortgage recorded on those properties at all. Right. And, um, so however, taking that step, that's for the gorilla investor. That's for the guy or the gal that says, Hey, I am going to be successful at any cost kind of thing. I'm going to make this happen. And I love it when I get customer like that because, man, I can I can make their phone blow up. Yeah, uh, it's just an expensive or somewhat expensive. It's not really expensive because if you weigh the return, it becomes very inexpensive. It's just beginning in the beginning. It's a little heavy. Yeah. Well, one of the things we found that works too is in list source. You can actually search for unknown when it comes to percent equity, and um, that's that's a little tip too. You can do that with different th- fields. But one of the things that I did one time is I actually hired somebody to go in and scrape all of the data from the county website mm-hmm. and put it into a spreadsheet. And that's how I got my list of all of the homeowners in that specific county. Um, I found a guy to do it for me for like $75 yeah. on Fiverr. Anyway, another story for another time. <laughs> Man, we're running out of time, Michael. Um, the um, can, I, can I talk to you about follow-up and follow-through? Yes, yes, let's do that. Okay, so here's what happens in my life. Call comes in, and we, we made the phone ring somehow, and we know how we made it ring when it rings. It, it pops up into my Alex stations, and my Alex knows where the seller's calling from and what they're calling about because we tag everything when, when it comes in. And so they can hit a button and open up a script and now go through a presentation. And it's all part of what we have inside the call text, but they hit a button it pulls up a script. They answer the questions. At the end of that script, there's a couple things that's going to happen. Either we're going to set an appointment for Ryan, who's a negotiator that's going to negotiate it, or we're going to – it didn't qualify for Ryan, and we're going to continue to follow up. We know that every inbound phone call has seven outbound phone calls attached to it. And we also know that it's going to have a text and an email campaign attached to it, and all of this is going to be automatic. So those of us that aren't following up, we're losing a tremendous amount of inventory opportunity because if we're writing it down on a yellow pad, a phone number after a week looks just like another phone number on that yellow pad. We've forgotten what it represents. Well, if you have a, a campaign follow-up system, then it remembers for you. So you, know, you go to your computer and it says, today's Tuesday, and these are the tasks you have. Some of them are silent tasks because you don't have to fulfill them. Some of them are fulfillable by a human, and which is you know like a callback or something. And um, the follow-up and follow-through is highly, highly, highly important. And I couldn't be where we are today in a house buying uh, business if we didn't have it, because oh yeah, we rarely get the opportunity on the first phone call. It what does would, happen. What would you say percentage of your deals come from follow-up or the first lead? Eighty percent easily yeah. or higher. Yeah, easily, and. Um, and people look at follow up. Well, I'll call you back tomorrow. No, if see, we don't do it that way. We we know we're going to call them back tomorrow because our system's going to tell us. In fact, our system, when we hang up with that person, we're either going to have an appointment already scheduled for Ryan to negotiate the contract, or we're going to call him back tomorrow. Three days, five days, seven days, ten days, fifteen days, thirty days, sixty days, ninety days. Inside of those ninety days, they're going to receive twenty nine emails and quite a few texts coming back out to them. To remind us, because a lot of people, when they call us the first time, they don't have intention or motivation to sell. They're wondering what we do, how we can solve their problem if they had a problem. However, the more times we touch them, then the more times everything else touches them, the more apt they are to be ready to sell their house in 20 or 30 or 60 or 90 days. We have to be there when they say, I'm ready. If we're not there, we're crazy because someone's going to be there. Yeah. And, you know, it's real easy to set up a follow up system. In fact, if on an average month here, we'll have well over a thousand phone calls that'll come in. So even if all you did was at the end of the month send a text to all those thousand people that says, hey, you called me about selling your house, a good percentage of them are going to text you back saying, what do you have in mind as far as a price? And that starts the conversation. Of course, yep. we never get prices, but. We want to make sure that, you know, when someone asks for a price, we know we now have a, a greater motivation than someone that says, don't call me again. Yeah. But follow follow through is highly, highly important. 
I don't know how I would have ever done it before. Well, how would you, what would you say, um, how many follow-ups do you need to do on average to get a deal? Well, we're, we're doing the seven phone calls and we're doing, again, we're doing, still doing direct mail to them every month. I don't know the number. I wish I did. Uh, I, I, that's probably a number I need to go get on the top of my head, but I have someone that does know it. I know. Yeah. Uh, but those 20, like those 29 emails, at some point that campaign is going to stop because they set an appointment to sell us the house. But if they haven't, then they're going to continue. Those texts are, are going to stop if they set an appointment. If they didn't, they're going to continue. The direct mail is going to continue at, until six months is up. And the, and the calls are going to be on that rotation. We're setting up right now to do ringless voicemail. And we're only going to do it to our past prospect group. And so we like that concept. We, we're not going to be too intrusive to people that don't know us at all. And um, we do a lot of short code on our postcards. Huh. So, uh, in fact, on our website, where people go to fill out forms and stuff and look up, look information up about us, we have a chat form. We've bought two houses this year because of chat. Serious. So you know, like you go to like you go to somewhere and. You can't find what you need, so you hit, you want to talk to us now? So you hit that button, and now you start talking to a live representative. I don't know why people just don't pick up the telephone and call us, but they like it. So they start chatting with our, our reps, and they go through the whole entire negotiation process. And that's fine with me. I don't, I don't really care how the consumer finds us and does business with us. I only care about that they do. And we as, as entrepreneurs, we have to allow them to communicate how they want to communicate. It's kind of like way back in the old days, if you know, if you didn't speak a language, you couldn't speak to that person, and, and it was tough luck. Well, we have a lot of languages nowadays. We have the the mobile language, we have the web form language, we have the texting language, we have the phone call language, we have the email language. We have to know all those languages because our consumers are using them. That's good. And you need to, boy, I can't. The, the importance of follow up, and you nailed it on the head. Um, you got to do that. Talk real quick about calltext.com because I know um, a lot of what we're talking about you can do actually there, right? Yeah, it, we we started working on it three years ago and when I was just so frustrated that I was using this program for CRM, this program for email, this program for texting, this program for web forms, and this program for web chat. And then another form for conference videos and all that kind of good stuff. It just got to be absurd the amount of formula, uh, programs I was using. And then I had to use more programs to tie all those together so they could talk to each other. So we started down this road of creating call text, which is a CRM with a phone service in it, with an email service in it, with a text service in it. It has web forms, web chat, conference rooms, video rooms, silent dial, so that all types of communication that you'd want to use to reach your consumer, your prospect, and vice versa, you have at your fingertips. You don't lose data. So I can go back to um, a prospect and I can see all the correspondence, whether that's email, texting, calls, whatever it was, how they, you know, all the correspondence that they had with us. At a moment's note of my operators, my Alex's and my Ryan's, they don't dial. They just hit a button. And the, that button is inside of our CRM and it, it's downtime. So as an example, when I call someone and I get their voicemail, most of us have to say, hi, this is Michael. I'm returning your call. You called yesterday about possibly having interest in selling your house kind of thing. We have to physically do that. Well, with call text, we just hit a button and it does that for us so we can go on to the next call. And so the amount of resource savings that it allows us to do, it allows us to magnify our business. So we just do more of it. And um, just that not losing prospects is a huge thing. And... Uh, so and texting, I mean, our short again, our short code's eighty one, eighty one, eighty one, and you just text house to it, and you can see how it works. Yeah, that works great. And um, again, without it, I did it before. I was spending close to gosh four thousand dollars a month for all the programs I was using, and now I'm not. And um, but um, it's available. I think we have plans from nineteen dollars on up, and so. Um, to have a CRM with a phone system and texting and, and email and all that for $19 a month, kind of crazy not to. Do you, um, if they go to your website and I'm there now, do you have a place where they can see a demo or see some videos yeah. of what it looks like? 
Absolutely. We, we have, um, we're only a phone call away or a chat away or a text away and we will share the inside and, and, um, it, it re, it's retention, which is the strong point for me it, uh, is pretty strong. So what I mean by that is people that use it don't leave it because it's so its function is so great. So it, it's kind of cool. Nice. And uh, it's a, like anything else. It's like opening up a dictionary and, and finding the word that you don't know how to spell sometimes because it does so much, but we're here for that. We set up people their accounts and show them how to do campaigns and tagging and all that good stuff that just automates their life so they can do what they want to do yeah. and, and then do what they don't want to do. Good. So by, by following up for them. All right, Michael. So uh, besides calltext.com and yellow letters.com, how can yeah. people, is there any other website you want to give out? You know, um, if someone wants to say hello to me, I have a calendar on michaelquarles.com where if you have a, a question about anything that relates to real estate and is uh, politically appropriate, um, <laughs> there's a calendar there that you can just go and just say hello. Nice. <clears throat> so yep. I'm here right now, michaelquarles.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Quarles is Q-U-A-R-L-E-S. And... Uh, yeah, you got a lot of good stuff on here. Looking at your website now, it is. Um, you know, I, I, I look at when I get to help someone or or, or answer a question for someone as my dessert of the day. I know you like helping people too, mm-hmm. and uh, we can't die with it. I mean, we can't. You know, it's like if might as well give it away because we can't lose it either. So, if someone has a question about real estate. I have a calendar. You just go up there and block out fifteen minutes of your life and my life, and and we'll chat with each other. I'll send you reminders that you have a call and, and tell you when to call and what phone number and all that kind of good stuff. Very and, cool. uh, which is also part of call text. So at that call text is running that calendar. And, um, so it's a good stuff. Nice. You know, I do want to, I do want to close with a thought for everybody. Good. And if you don't mind, and it's something I'm trying to change in my life. And so I always try to throw it out there and some people will say it's silly for them and some people won't, but we, we have run our lives. Most of us, for the longest time on the four words and they are wish, want, hope, and need. And raise your hand. If you've ever wished that you could do something, wanted to do something, needed to do something or hoped you could do something. And they have, they, your, your entire life has been built around a wish list. Well, throw those four words away and change them with the word require. So instead of, I hope I'm successful. I require my success. Instead of I want to be successful, I require my success. Instead, I wish I wish I can become successful. I wish I just say I require my success. When you start respecting your time and yourself by requiring those things that you say you want to accomplish and actually didn't then do them, then your self-respect, your self-esteem, your checkbook will all increase. And but we get so caught up in this imaginary dream because we've put the wish list to it and take that wish list away. That's all I got. That's good, man. If that's all they get is to throw those things away and do everything on purpose. That means they, some of them have to back up and do it slower, have less, you know, like big goals in the beginning, because sometimes it's actually harder to do something than to hope you can do something. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, uh, it does. It really does. You know, it's it's doing things on purpose. It's being more intentional. It's saying, "All right, I require this." Right. You just changing your your mentality. Yeah, there's six areas of our life we set goals in. I think we should set them the day before every day, and and then reevaluate reevaluate them. You know, go and get a, a three inch three uh, three hole binder, and print off a bunch of copies of what I'm going to do. And then if anybody wants them, you just go to michaelquarles.com under one of the lighter podcasts. They're there for free. And you start, you know, writing down today what you're going to do tomorrow in from a business and career in a health and, and a home and family and spiritual and ethical and educational and learning. You start writing these things down and you start checking them off. And they're just little goals. They're just one day goals. But as you start putting them in that binder, then after a few months, you start opening that binder up and start reliving 
your past and realizing if I had not said it in writing, I would not have accomplished it. And it's a great little easy to do daily routine. And as an entrepreneur, I know you set goals for yourself. And it's hard sometimes because we set goals for ourselves and we tend to lie to ourselves with our goals. But when we write them down, we realize that we, we stop lying to ourselves and actually uh, carry them out and, and fulfill them. Good. Good stuff. Michael, got to go. This has been really good. I appreciate the time. I know you got a ton of things on your plate right now and you're super busy. Thank you for taking the time to be on the show. You also have a podcast too. Where can people find that podcast? It's it's not – no, you have a podcast. I have <laughs> this little wannabe podcast. I'm just so impressed with you. But anyway, well, yeah, I have Michael Quarles Real Estate Show. It's under – it's on iTunes too. I think we're number 74, which – is like you don't even brag it with seventy four when you're talking to Joe Paul. It's, it's like I don't I don't like the iTunes rankings at all because I know I'm getting more listeners than half of those guys that are above me, but they're still ranked higher. There's no rhyme or reason at all to their no. rankings. No, I'm not, I, I'm not complaining. <laughs> you, can I ask you? Can I ask you and your audience a question? Sure. If you yeah, think it's yeah. appro- appropriate, you can take it off. Sure. I'm one of these guys that is just stupid enough to put money at something that I don't know if it will work or not. And, and I want to invest in a real estate show stream, not a YouTube channel, but I want to, I have bought some domains that I think will work really well for a daily real estate show of multiple real estate coaches so as an example, I can have the Joe McCall hour mm-hmm. and I can have the Michael Quarles hour and I can have John Doe hour or, and Susie investor hour, but daily, do you think the audience would do, would like that where they can, they can hear current real actionable information on a daily basis? Maybe, um, okay. maybe, I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. There's a, there's a lot of podcasts out there already. Well, I'm talking about audio, just like if you watch the Sean Hannity show or the, or CNN or, or yeah. whatever, whoever, whatever you guys watch out there. But if you, it, just like that, where you got your information from someone that you could see, that'd probably be a million dollars investment, but. Boy, you know, I don't know if it's worth that much. Don't if know I if it's change, worth that if, much. If, if I could change the lives of a few people. Yeah. With the money I have. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, it's. It's it's scary. We can talk about it. We can talk about it another time. Yep. That's a good question. I don't know. There's a guy that does daily podcasts, uh, Joe Fairless. Yeah, and um, I don't know how he does it. That's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for your time, Michael. Appreciate it, uh, guys. Again, there's several websites we gave out. You can get them all at the realestateinvestingmastery.com in the show notes. MichaelQuarles.com, calltext.com, yellowletters.com, and I think I got it all, right? You did. You're great. I'm just excited to be here. All right. Hey, thanks again for the time, Michael. I appreciate it. We'll see you guys later. 